Moving to Live is a podcast about movement and exercise. We bring you interviews with professionals in the movement and exercise field. The goal is to provide information for other professionals and also amateur movement aficionados, people who understand that movement is part of what makes life complete. Some of the people we interview you will have heard of. They're well known in and outside of the movement and exercise profession. Others you may not have heard of, but they have a great deal of knowledge to share. Many people doing the best work spend their time working with people, not working on their social media presence. We're going to give you a chance to learn from some of these talented and knowledgeable individuals, and we're going to learn along with you. Moving to Live podcasts are going to be short. Each interview will be long enough to impart usable information, but short enough to be able to be consumed in a single bout, during your workout, commute, or even during dinner prep. We all like long-form interviews, but time is valuable. Moving to Live wants to give you the option to learn and be entertained without needing to commit 60 minutes at a time for an interview. Give Moving to Live a listen. Check out our sister podcast, FitLab PGH, which highlights people, businesses, events, and activities in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area that make movement a priority. Moving to Live would love to hear from you. Want to connect with us or have an idea for somebody you think we ought to interview? Drop us an email, mov2liv at gmail.com, or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, both underscore mov2liv. We're excited to bring you these interviews, and we think you'll enjoy each and every one that we bring you. Moving to Live is back with another podcast. This week, we have part two with Dr. Jenny Ploss, who is a physical therapist who works with orthopedic clients at Langford Sports Medicine and Physical Therapy in Albuquerque, New Mexico. As I mentioned in our first interview that was two weeks ago, this is the first individual that I have interviewed from New Mexico, hopefully not the last. And I was interested in interviewing Jenny because she does something with most of her patients called MoveMat, which is exercise. And the whole thesis or ethos behind moving to live is movement is part of what makes your life complete. Just a reminder, if you're enjoying this, please leave us a review on whatever the podcast player that you're listening to this to so that we can know that there are a variety of people listening and you're enjoying what you're hearing. Jenny, I want to thank you for taking time again to join us for part two to talk about your career as a physical therapist and also how you got involved with this movement uh, theory or practice called MoveNet. Thanks, Ben. So as a physical therapist, you told us that once you got out of school, you dabbled a little bit in pediatrics and also in orthopedics to find out where your levels of interest were, and you settled on orthopedics. And I know as somebody who's had a variety of injuries and worked with physical therapists and worked for physical therapists as an athletic trainer, there are not a whole lot of variations if you look at the basic exercises that you do for a rehabilitation of, for example, an ankle sprain. There may be different protocols depending on the clinic, but they're all going to focus heavily on exercises that most clinics across the country, if not the world, are doing. And you're doing something called MoveNAT. So could you kind of tell us exactly what MoveNAT is, who developed it, and how you discovered it? Um, well, so my, one of my coworkers, Jimmy Minner, uh, was treating a, a competitive fighter and he had found MoveNet via Erwan LaCour, which is the founder. He's the founder of MoveNet. Um, and Jimmy went and researched more and ended up getting certified as a MoveNet trainer and then brought it back and taught some of us at the clinic. 
And actually almost everyone at the clinic has now been certified as a MoveNet instructor because it really resonated with most of us um, because it is that it's different than the traditional exercises that we learn in physical therapy school that are very kind of broken down by body part versus whole body movement, you know, very let's treat this symptom versus let's get your whole body moving better in order to be practical and functional. And I know we've got a variety of listeners who may not all be physical therapists. Obviously, you're not a MoveNet certification expert, but what's the basic uh, practice or what does it take to get certified as MoveNet? Is this just a pull something up on the internet and you can take it in 20 minutes or is it a couple day workshop, couple week workshop, since we all know there's literally thousands of certifications out there for various things involving movement. Right. So MoveNet is, they have several different certification levels. So I am a level two certified instructor. instructor. So uh, level one is a two day workshop or a three day workshop. Level one is a three day workshop. And then level two is a two-day workshop. And I did them in, in conjunction with each other. So we did level one right into level two as a five-day, which I don't think they do anymore because we were all too sore to move by the end. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then there's a level three that I think is a three or four-day workshop um, taught by Erwan and then the programming manager, Danny Clark. And um, yeah, and so you spend two or three days, depending on your workshop, learning the the kind of basics and ethos of MoveNet and then going through the basic movements and then learning how to regress or progress the movements based on your ability or, you know, ideally the ability of your clients so that they can build up to the kind of the standard movements or the higher level movements. It sounds like that this is a certification that you need to uh, have where you have to be able to not only teach it, but actually do it yourself. You do. There's actually a test at the end to show that you can demonstrate the skills. You are, you are proficient with the movement skills of that level. Um, so, you know, if you can do it that, that weekend, that's great. Some of us weren't able to do some of the movements well. Like I couldn't roll very well. I had never learned to roll like a jujitsu roll or a kind of a diagonal roll that's safe. And um, so I had to practice that and then send in a video showing that I could actually do that well. And then part of the testing also includes teaching. We are, we are assessed on how well we teach certain movement skills based on movement. I'm a little bit curious about this. I have been familiar with MoveNet. I do see some of the videos, although obviously not as familiar as you are. You mentioned, I believe it was in the first interview, when you first found rock climbing, you liked it because it was really, really hard and you weren't good at it. Did you find when you first started doing the move nat that, wow, I'm not really good at this? Or did you find that you were fairly proficient at some of the movements? Um, I found that actually it was kind of a mixture of both. Some movements, I was really kind of surprised how good I was at them. And then there were some that not only was I not good at it, but you know, the thing that really got me with MoveNet was that for the first time in my life with jumping and vaulting and, um, and like some of the balance stuff, I, I felt like there was a way to get better at it. Like when I was growing up, my dad, you know, when the soccer ball would go over the fence, like the, 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 yeah, the, the wire fence, my dad would just vault over the fence. It'd be like a four foot fence and he'd vault over one hand on one, you know, kick his feet over. And, um, and then he would, he would just say, 
well, you just do it. Like you just have to commit and do it. And I thought, you know, I just, I never, I'm going to be the person that like climbs up and puts my belly on the top and like touches my shirt on the way down and tears it and then falls on the ground. Right. That's, that's how I evolved. Um, but MoveNet provides a way to, to get there. Like you can get good at the movements, even if you really suck at them at first. So I was both. <laughs> with your background as a physical therapist and a little bit of experience with pediatrics, do the movements start with the way that uh, humans begin to move from the babies? Uh, I'm not up on my morphological. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The developmental sequence. That was, that was the phrase <laughs> developmental secrets. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we, they do. So we start with, we have ground movements. So you know, being able to move on the ground, laying on your back, laying on your belly, rolling between the two, and then getting up into sitting. We do some movements in sitting, being able to change positions various ways, um, which is a lot of, in physical therapy, we use those movements a lot because they work on hip and knee and back mobility. And um, in a way that is not just, you know, lay on the ground and do this one stretch that you can't understand the, the importance of. And then we get up into getting up off the ground. We call them get-ups in MoveNet. Uh, there are a bunch of different ways you can get up. And so we work on being efficient at getting up off of the ground and back down. And then we do balancing and jumping and climbing after that and lifting and carrying. So, yeah. This sounds like for anybody who likes to move, this could be beneficial. Do you use this with your kids or do you make your husband do it? Uh, my husband actually loves it. Um, our, and our, my, my kids love it too. So they actually, they come to work. We have a whole setup. And if we are, you know, rained or snowed in or it's way too hot to go outside and play sometimes, we'll go to work and, and play around and do move net. And then at the park, we do it now. It's like our whole family plays at the park, like up on the, up on all the equipment instead of the kids playing and us kind of sitting and watching um, and actually my parents have started doing it too. So it's like this weird whole family playing. Thing. Um, yeah. And my husband actually has rock climbed since he was 14 and he does, I think we talked about earlier, he feels like he's hit his peak with rock, rock climbing and, um, and with MoveNet, he, it's now this, he's like the, when he started MoveNet, he said, you know, this is the first time in what, 25 years, well, maybe 15 years that I felt like I can actually get way better at something with moderate effort and practice rather than getting a little bit better with a ton of extra work. So, um, so yeah, he does it. That's, that's what he does now. He rock climbs a little bit and does move that a lot. I know that we have some amateur aficionados for movement who may be listening to this and not familiar with it. How does this differ from say parkour? So if we saw you and your family doing this in the park, would we say, Oh, that's a family doing parkour. Or we say, what's that family doing those weird series of movements? <laughs> uh, so it's a lot like parkour. Um, it's just that, you know, a lot of people think parkour, think of parkour as a pretty advanced movement practice. And um, MoveNet starts much lower level than that. And then builds up and a lot of the higher level movements are, are parkour movements. Um, because parkour is an obstacle management system kind of approach. And that's what the higher levels of MoveNet end up being. So, so yeah. I'm, I'm curious with MoveNet for somebody who becomes skilled at teaching it and maybe they're involved as a coach is for, say, girls soccer. Mm. Like you a, a few years back. Would this be something that would be useful 
to use with uh, soccer players or basketball players? And how would it be incorporated? It would be incorporated as a warm up or as a fun play day? Yeah. Um, so actually, my dad still coaches soccer. He coaches girls 14. He might be in the sixth day. He follows girls up. So 16 year old girls soccer teams. And he had me come do a move net workout with them. And that day it was mostly about learning, you know, the correct, the correct, uh, form for different, especially jumping and cutting skills. Um, so, you know, it can be kind of like that. We host elements workshops where you get the foundations of move net and then you take it home and, and do it. Or for coaches, a lot of, a lot of coaches could use it as part of the warm up. Um, at least the ground movement and get up skills. And then, and then the other skills, like some of the jumping and balancing, those would be really good to do as an actual workout. Um, I actually teach, there's a climbing team at our local climbing gym, and I have five girls on the team that come regularly and work with me on movement. And a lot of our, a lot of our workouts are move nat workouts, and then we specialize a little bit more in the climbing stuff. I'm curious kind of to build on this a little bit. Uh, my first love is endurance sports, running, biking, trail running. And as a physical therapist, I'm sure you see numerous patients who are runners or bikers and they don't like to do anything other than their specific activity. Right. Is doing a move nat workout or becoming familiar with this something that could benefit people who are not involved in a team sport or somebody who's involved in one of those uniplanar activities like running and biking? That it, that's exactly what I was going to say. It was the uniplanar, you know, movement that running and cycling and swimming even are. It's one direction. There's not a lot of variability in how you move. And I think that's fine, except in the long term, which is what my new thing is more of a, of a longevity view rather than a performance view or longevity, maybe at least equal to performance. And so, um, yeah, so I think for longevity's sake, it's, it's really important to branch out. It's, I think, you know, you shouldn't specialize too young and then you should stop specializing after what, 35, 30 <laughs> again, and like start, start branching out again, because as we get older, we start losing the ability, not just in our joints and muscles, but even in our brain, we start losing the ability to do movements that we could do when we were younger. And so if you can do something like MoveNet, which is super varied, as one of your, you know, couple times a week, or some people do it daily as part of your movement repertoire maintenance, then you can still run forever, hopefully, but you'll also have the ability to, you know, get up off the ground after your runs <laughs> or, you know, yeah. We're not, we're going to be polite. We're not going to ask your age, but it seems to be that a number of the movement professionals that I've interviewed for moving to live have that same longevity thing. They've probably been fairly competitive. They probably are still fairly competitive, but they've started to recognize that what they really enjoy is not that free t-shirt or that medal, but the fact that it's like, hey, I've got a couple free hours on a Saturday. I can go do move the activity that I want to do rather than saying, man, I'd really like to do this, but my shoulders hurt. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I, um, yeah, I've had enough injuries and then, and every time, you know, you have an injury, it's like, especially if you have a surgery, then the conversation with the doctor or the surgeon is, what does this mean in the long term? And it's hard to remember that when you're not injured. Like, oh, this means that, you know, when I was in college, my last injury, the doctor told me he was going to have to take out half of my meniscus. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And he was like, well, I mean, you, 
you're not running anymore. And you, I was like, well, what, what about back? And he was like, well, probably, I mean, not with a heavy pack. And so I told him not to do surgery. And I, I just, you know, I was like, well, then we'll just leave it. And, um, and we, we couldn't, and he, you know, he, he, he negotiated like an eighth of the meniscus. And so, and I, you know, and I've run 30 mile runs since then and I backpack all the time. And so it's okay. But, but yeah, now that I think that's what has formed my, my desire to make sure that I can do what I want to do forever. And so I kind of try and put myself in that panic mode every so often. Like, what if I injured myself doing this? And could I still do the things I want to do when I'm, you know, 60, 70, 80? And is it worth doing, doing what I'm doing now? So. I think it's interesting. You said you negotiated. I broke my wrist mountain biking about 20 years ago. And I negotiated with my orthopedic surgeon about putting a splint on rather than a cast. Yeah, yeah. Negotiation is good. And I, I, I still recall his comment was, I'll put you in a splint if you promise not to do anything stupid. Ooh. And did you? Uh, no, but I negotiated by the end of two weeks being able to do five-pound dumbbell presses with it. Yeah. 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 And the utmost respect for him as a physician, he also operated on my knee. And the benefit of the splint was I was able to take the wrist out and move it periodically. So he said, I think you're going to have restricted range of motion. And I was fortunate enough not to. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see for somebody who's active, whether or not they're a team sport athlete, or I'm just thinking of all the runners and cyclists I know who move like old men and women, (laughs) this could be beneficial. Yeah. 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 It's amazing how, um, well, so for some people there, I haven't had much back, many back problems, but, um, you know, for people who have back problems and stiffness, especially MoveNet is like the, the first thing, I think it's partly because it's so easy to stay consistent with it, but it's the first thing I've really encountered that has made really significant and long-term changes in like recurrent back pain things that keep coming back. It's like, I just know every three months my back is going to kind of go out on me and I have to sleep on the floor on my back or, um, that, 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 that regular movement practice helps prevent. And it's not like it's super novel stuff. It's just that it's fun to do and easy. It's like yoga. If you love yoga and you go through those movements every day, then great. But I don't do that. I don't, yoga is not like super engaging for me. And so, unless someone else is doing it, I'm just following their instructions. But with MoveNet, yeah, like I sit in different ways now. I sit, I get down on the ground and play with my kids in ways that, that it is now a, a kind of a lifelong workout. <laughs> so it's easy to maintain, which means it has lifelong consequences in a good way. Benefit. For for somebody who is a mover, I can I can see it would be very easy to sell them on this. Mm-hmm. But you also make your living as a physical therapist, where I know having worked in a physical therapy clinic, some of the patients don't like to move. And depending on the clinic, there may be specific protocols that need to be followed so that insurance will be paid. And mm-hmm. what attracted me to interviewing you is the fact that you had an article on the MoveNap blog that we'll make sure we have a link to in the show notes where you essentially said you use it for patients of all ages, all injuries. I guess my first question on that would be, how did you get buy-in from your clinic? I know you said your colleague was one of the first people to introduce the clinic to it, but I would think 
And I've joked with uh, various people, you can always tell what con ed course somebody went to because the next week, whatever the patient or the athlete that they have, they're going to be doing that. It doesn't matter whether it's move nat, Graston technique, dry needling, whatever it is. Yep, so, they're going to so, get it. Yeah. So, so how is this introduced to Langford Sports Medicine and Physical Therapy? So the powers that be said, oh, this is a good idea. Let's introduce this and utilize with our patients to get uh, better outcomes. Yeah. Well, so I'm pretty lucky. I work, Langford is one of the best, I should just, I think it's the best place in Albuquerque to work. And I know that my colleagues would agree. Um, we have super supportive physical therapist owners and managers. And, um, and our whole clinic really believes in treating the whole, the whole client, not just, you know, the injured component of their body. Right. And, um, and ideally that's what the physical therapy profession in general is moving toward. There's a big push toward that. So it's, you know, MoveNet is just a more systematic way of, of using functional movement than what is taught in most programs. Um, I think one of the things that PT programs often get in, in response to kind of questions about what they really got out of PT school and what they feel like they missed, most of the time we don't get enough treatment ideas. And so, you know, you come into your PT practice and you know how to evaluate and assess problems, but you, then you don't really know what to do about it. And so, um, and so it's nice to have something that is systematic, that is also holistic, and that my, my, my company, my clinic really buys into, into that whole, that whole movement. So it was easy for us. And then it's, MoveNet is, is, you know, as a physical therapist, I don't use, you know, we don't just do a MoveNet workout, right? We use components, and those components are part of what we call therapeutic exercise or therapeutic activities. We're practicing doing functional things like getting up off of the floor or out of a chair or safe lifting. And it's just that I learned a more systematic way of teaching it in MoveNet than I had before. So what you're saying is it's, on the one hand, it's nothing special because it's movement. <laughs> on, the other, on the other hand, it's made you look at movement in a, in a different way and realize, oh, these things that MoveMat teaches this directly translates and could be used, for example, with the treatment and rehabilitation of an ankle sprain. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's and, weird. Hard to describe because it is, it's like, yeah, not, not special, but it's special in the way that it is developed and taught. Maybe it would be accurate to say it's not special unless the person understands what the movements are intended to do. Yeah. Or at least what the instructor, if the instructor understands and Part of the thing with it is, you know, if I think I wrote in the blog that I wrote that if I want to work on ankle mobility, I can just stand and do stretches or use the stretch out strap, but it doesn't make sense necessarily to the client. Like they can't see the, the reason why they need that movement. But if you try and get them into a deep squat and they can't get their heel down on that side because their ankle doesn't move, then they're like, oh. I actually, I, ca I can't do what I need to do because of this, you know, and there are a bunch of examples of that. So yeah, it's a, a way of showing them their limitations in a way that make more sense. How much do you think it's benefited you with the treatment of your patients using movement, the fact that you had to become skilled as a practitioner before you were a clinician? Because I know 
there are a variety of exercises that are used in rehab settings that are, for lack of a better term, mentally disengaging. You can kind of go through, you can kind of go through the motions. For example, I'm just thinking of a of a straight leg uh, straight leg raise in abduction, right. and you know somebody with incorrect technique can very easily use a 20 pound ankle weight. But if you make a few adjustments in the position of the hips and the knees, all of a sudden they can barely lift three pounds. Right. So, so how important is it to be a practitioner where you actually understand or kind of as a corollary to that, how easy is it, is it to cheat on these exercises when you prescribe them to your patients? Yeah. Well, so, um, <clears throat> so part of, or a big part of the move that approach is learning how to teach people how to do it correctly. So MoveNet is a huge, in MoveNet, we learn to be huge sticklers for form, which physical therapists usually are too, to sometimes to a horrible degree, but... Um, <laughs> the, good, the good ones. Yeah, right? The good, the good ones, yeah. So, so often what we teach, instead of saying, oh, that's the wrong way to do it, is let's try it these different ways and find out what feels the easiest and most natural and then what feels harder and why. And then we get to go into, you know, this is why it's easier, this is why it's harder. And, um, and the, if you can do it a variety of ways, then that's better than just this one way that you're resorting to that, you know, turns your ankle in or whatever. And if I've read the information correctly, if with my research, the nice thing about this style or form or practice of exercise is you have in your toolbox, once you become skilled in it, uh, very easy to follow either progressions or regressions if somebody can't do a specific movement or exercise. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the things that I am naturally good at just because I, I'm drawn to movement is is developing those those progressions and regressions, but um, I'd never really found a program that a method that that also emphasized that, and that is what MoveNet I think does well. Um, the main thing that it does well is it offers those regressions and progressions. Mm -hmm. I'm probably putting you on the spot with this question. Uh oh. How much does having the education as a physical therapist before you took the MoveNet training help? Or do you think if you were somebody who was a mover and then just said, hey, I'm getting older, I'm not moving well, this looks like fun? So I guess the, the, the key question is, how much of a benefit did the physical therapy training or the education learning about the body, even though you said the treatment interventions probably are where physical therapy school is limited. How much did that help you before taking the move that so you could get more benefit from that specific training? Um, I think, I think, you know, I analyze more than maybe I need to for the move net stuff. Um, my husband is not trained in physical therapy. He says he's a physical therapy by, by merit. He's a physical therapist by, um, but you know he he gets he got just as much out of it and is able to teach classes and work with clients um, with the same same ability level. There are sometimes I think it's mostly when people have pain that it's sometimes harder that that my education helps. Like oh, okay, well if you have pain, let's try this little thing or that little thing. But um, as far as teaching and doing the movement goes, I don't think that my I don't think my background as a physical therapist necessarily made a huge difference. I think it makes some difference because I understand why some things we want to be a certain way rather than others. But um, 
but yeah, I think it's more, you know, your interest in movement. And if you really, if you really let yourself go for it and, and listen and learn and try all the movements, then I think you get just as much out of it, regardless of your, of your educational background, movement background, I think helps. I know that uh, having worked in a physical therapy clinic, there really is, can be a dichotomy of patients. I think probably the worst patient or the best patient is somebody like me who, when I had shoulder surgery, I saw my notes and the therapist said, he'll do well as long as he doesn't do too much. So I think that you're going to have some patients that come in, those people who are active, even if it's just uh and I don't mean just in a negative way, but they just want a garden. It's like there's something yeah. that they want to do and their injury is preventing them from doing it. I would right. think they would buy into this very well. Oh, yeah. Especially if they're movers. But you've got that other dichotomy of person who comes in, whether it's to the doctor or to the physical therapist, and they basically, the image is they plop down at a table and say, here I am, fix me. Yeah. How do you sell them on MoveNet, which is basically exercise? And that's the hardest thing I know to sell people on since so many of the U.S. doesn't do it on a regular basis. Right. Um, so I think that that's kind of a larger question than MoveNet even. You know, how do we sell them on doing any kind of exercise that's going to help them? And a lot of that, I think, is based on kind of sport and healing psychology, right, is uh, whether we can give them a sense of control over their own body or desire to control their own situation. And so that's a lot of it is just finding out what does interest the person and, and what matters to them. Like the gardener, you know, if there's someone who a lot of people, it's like, I can't drive my car. Like I can't, I can't move my steering wheel or my knee hurts when I, I mean, even when I sit at the dinner table or like, I can't go to a movie, you know? And if we can, usually if we can sh show them small differences, if they do one, one movement, you know, that should help with that, if they see progress with it, and it's not too boring, um, you know, the exercise is not too boring to keep doing, then yeah, then usually we win them over. And not, not always, and I don't always use MoveNets. MoveNet is not necessarily for everyone I have people and it's primarily people who love yoga and Pilates or people who love going to the gym um you know they already move and in yoga and Pilates often they already move in a variety of ways and so if as a physical therapist at least my job is to augment that and make that them more capable at that um, so I, my, my bent is moving up. That is the thing that I think has helped me be more well-rounded and capable um, and, and kind of less or more resistant to injury. But, um, but yeah, I don't, don't have to push it on everyone. Um, although they, the exercises are tend to be done more regularly and long-term than, you know, the standard I'm doing this because my PT said to, but I don't really see why. <laughs> So. Have you have you had instances where you there was a patient where you kind of thought, you know, this this is not a good uh, part of the rehabilitation protocol, and they see another patient in the next table doing something and say, "Hey, how come I can't do that?" Yeah, um, yeah, especially because we have a big open gym and then we have little treatment booths, and um, it's you know what get, grabs people the most is the balance thing, and um, so you know we we get on the floor with lines and we get on two by fours and traditional PT balance works on what we call static balance, non-moving balance. And, um, and so it's like, Oh, my PT told me to put one foot in front of the other and stand there. 
And either I can do it or it's impossible. And why would I do it anyway? Um, versus, you know, being able to walk on a balance beam, no matter how old you are, it's kind of intriguing. And so that's one of the ones that people get that, yeah, that people really are drawn to. Yeah. Any instances of patients who have become so enamored with this that they've gone on and gotten certified themselves and now teach classes? Uh, I don't think I've had any patients that have gotten certified, but we have a training space ad adjacent to our clinic where we teach MoveNet classes. And we have a, a bunch of our patients, our ex-patients, have you know annual memberships and, and come two or three days a week to classes. And that is... That's what they do in addition to their gardening or cycling or running or, um, or climbing or, you know, just life. Like my 85-year-old grandma likes to try and balance on the balance beam with my kids when we're at the park. And she comes to MoveNet classes once a week. I'm always curious with movement because it is part of what makes your life complete. Youngest person you've heard of doing MoveNet. And then is your grandmother the oldest or do you, have you had some patients or some people that you've seen who are older than your grandmother still doing essentially s specialized movement? Yeah. So actually I teach a group of people on Fridays that are my, my classes was built toward osteoporosis management. So trying to make sure we progress appropriately with a PT in charge um, for people with osteoporosis. And I have a man in that class who is 87. I think he's our oldest. Um, and he was really capable. And he, you know, a lot of the balance stuff was really hard for him and getting up off the ground. And now it's been, I think, six months. And he's, yeah, he's, he's able to get up. He's balancing on a two by four and, um, and sometimes on an elevated beam. And um, so, yeah, so I think oldest so far for me has been 87. And then my, you know, my six-year-old and my two-year-old love movement, you know, and they, they, yeah, they ask us when, when we have downtime, it's like, let's, let's go play at work, <laughs> you know, or at the park if it's not boiling. <laughs> I, I suspect most uh, parents who are accountants don't have their kids say, let's go play at work. Yeah, probably not. We're talking with Dr. Jenny Ploss. She is a physical therapist in Albuquerque, New Mexico, who specializes in orthopedics. One of the methods of treatment that she uses is something called MoveNat, which is specialized treatment. She's done, or excuse me, specialized movement uh, based on developmental progressions. And I think she's done a great job of describing what it is and how she integrates it into the physical therapy world. For those of you who are physical therapists or who have had the good fortune or misfortune to have to make use of a physical therapist, you know how boring some of the exercises can be. And if exercises are boring, you're not going to do them. And I think Jenny has done a great job of explaining that this could be potentially fun. Jenny, I want to thank you for talking to Moving to Live and for explaining a little bit more that MoveNet isn't just for playing. It can actually be used <laughs> in a rehabilitation setting so that clients or patients can get back to the activities that they want to do. And more importantly, if the exercises that they do that are quote unquote rehab exercises are fun, they're more likely to do them than if they're the same old boring thing with an exercise sheet. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Moving to Live. Make sure you check out the show notes for contact information for our latest guest, as well as links about all the things we talked about. 
Intro and exit music is Traveling Light by Jason Shaw. You can subscribe to Moving to Live on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play and be notified about new episode releases. Have any questions, comments, or suggestions? Drop us an email, mov2liv at gmail.com. Connect with us on Twitter or Instagram, both underscore mov2liv. Please tell your friends about Moving to Live. It's a go-to place for information for movement and exercise professionals and amateur aficionados who understand that movement is part of what makes your life complete. Until next week, keep on moving.